Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a man I've admired for years, but this is actually our first time speaking. The man I'm talking about is Yannick Silver. And I first heard of Yannick through some of Dan Kinney's interviews about his instant sales letter software. And when I was starting out, I was buying every course, joining every program, and consuming everything I could get within reach. Yannick had a fresh perspective on business, was very straightforward, and obviously knew a lot of things. I especially loved his philosophy about how business should be played where profits, fun, and impact meet. He started with his first million-dollar idea at 3 o'clock in the morning and has bootstrapped seven other products and services to the seven-figure mark with, from scratch, without funding, taking on debt, or even having a real business plan. His story and businesses have been featured in Wired, Time.com, USA Today, SmartMoney.com, MSN Money, Entrepreneur, Fox Business News, Worth.com, and The Wall Street Journal, among others. He is the author of several best-selling marketing books and tools, including Maverick Startup, Instant Sales Letters, and 34 Rules for Maverick Entrepreneurs. He was even named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's top 50 favorite online marketing influencers. He's the founder of Maverick 1000, a global collective of the top entrepreneurs and industry innovators with participating icons such as Sir Richard Branson, Tony Hawk, Chris Blackwell, John Paul DeJoria, Tony from Zappos, uh, Russell Simmons, and Tim Ferriss. And today he's here to share some concepts with us from his upcoming book, Evolved Enterprises, and how to truly train, truly change the way business is played. So Yannick, thank you so much for your time, my friend. How are you doing today? Thanks, Daryl. I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff to get through there. Uh, <laughs> as you're as you're talking about, I'm like, all right, we, we should just we should just jump in anyway and 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 just get going. I'm gonna have to we'll have to create a, a short bio. Yeah, well, but I mean, at some point, like a lot of people might not know who you are or what you've accomplished. And I mean, for you, this is probably like interview three thousand seven hundred and seventy-two, right? Um, but there's a lot of value for the people. And uh, oh I yeah. Know, I'm, yeah. Sure, absolutely, and I, you know, I appreciate your your personal story about it. I mean, that's, you know, like like I'm the same way. I'm a huge, you know, reader, studier. Uh, I mean, one of my very first kind of mentors, I guess. I was, I was really lucky actually to work for my dad's business growing up. Uh, I didn't think so at the time, but <laughs> uh, I, I sold medical equipment. I was like 14. I'd be telemarketing, sell my own latex gloves, and 16, I'd be out on the road cold calling. And our family's uh, Russian immigrants. So my dad's like, "Go, oh, Mister Yana, go make some sales." And so, but there's a doctor client of mine that gave me this Jay Abraham tape and kind of turned on the lights about direct response, and I couldn't get enough about it. Like learning about psychology and direct response and marketing and and how to stop cold calling, which really sucked. And I just, uh, you know, like Dan Kennedy, like I just, just totally, uh, you know, started reading, devouring all that stuff and, and Ted Nicholas and, you know, you name it, John Caples, uh, David Ogilvy, you know, all, all the greats in advertising. And then, uh, Earl Nightingale, who's one of my favorites, uh, he had this, this kind of, kind of quote or saying or philosophy about 
if you study for one hour a day for three years, uh, you can become a, an expert in any subject. Or if you study one hour a day for five years, you can become a world-class expert. Yep. And I just really took that to heart and, and learned everything I possibly could. Yep, yep. Yeah, you know, me too. And I feel like that, that's been a huge just learning. Again, like the people listening to this, you have to be plugged in. I mean, you get it. You've run the Maverick groups, right? Like you've, you totally get it that there's the exchange of ideas and even like the friendly competition with other people and just filling your brain with as much as you can because you never know. Like ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is pain, it's failure, it's suffering, you know, what you don't know can and will hurt you. So I think that's part of why I think when you realize and wake up, why you become such a voracious like learner, right? So Yeah. I mean I think that your life changes. Maybe we can talk about this side of it if you want, but our life our our lives, at least my life, has changed in three ways. One through the material, the content, the books, uh, you know, the resources that you read or study, the people that you meet, and then the uh, experiences that you have. Like to me those are mm. I know the only ways that my life has changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like now I'm 32 now, and as I get older, I feel like life becomes more and more and more simple, in the sense of like you, you know what I mean. Like you just you get enough days under your belt, you kind of start to get better organized stuff. And I'm like, wow, my life must have been a mess when I was like 18. <laughs> I, had no, I had like no clue, you know. <laughs> well, there's a good uh, Steve Jobs quote which I really like, which is like you can't you can't connect the dots looking forward, right? But you can connect them looking backwards, and it's right. like finding. Yeah, all those things that were kind of messes, they were they were like zigzags. They're like figuring out what you know what, what you kind of latched onto, what was interesting, you know, with your background with the with, with the, the the studios that you had, the fitness uh, businesses, like all those, right? Like martial arts stuff, like all of that lent itself to where you are now because you know, and, and probably there's eight other big aspects that lent themselves even more. And then now you're probably looking at okay, how do I connect all these all these pieces? And that's what I've been really. But I'm also like refining and refining, like like chipping away at what what is and what isn't, um, you know, my, my my true sort of really unique gift. And I think that's what all entrepreneurs can can find is is what's their true path, their true essence, and that's where it gets really exciting. Mm. Yeah, can you talk a bit about that? I love how you mentioned like the connecting of the dots. So for you, what were some of the big dots and challenges and milestones that you had to cross? I mean, you've launched multiple seven-figure businesses, and I'm sure you know you probably got forgive me, but you probably were fully yourself in a couple of places where you're like, you know, hey, I've been here before, I got it, and then you probably had to learn some lessons. And <laughs> could you maybe share with us some of like what have what have some you know what's that path been for you looking back? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever stop learning and getting those lessons. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. They, they weren't uh, businesses, but products, services. Uh, under some of them were under different businesses. Some were under the same same business. Just to you know, to clarify that point. But the um, you know, for me, some of the big pieces were learning learning copywriting. Like what I talked about. Like you know, literally at seventeen, eighteen, getting this copywriting education and learning about direct response. Like that was a critical piece, uh, and, and that was absolutely you know, I, I look at skills that that give you leverage. And so the ability to to have at that point put words on paper and have doctors uh, call us up and, and give us their credit card or or raise their hands and who were you know an, an eight or nine or a ten on the scale of wanting to buy totally changed the game for my dad's business made us more of a national player instead of a kind of a regional player and that same idea of leverage I think has been one of the key aspects that that I've learned because. Then I started, you know, some of my doctor clients kind of were, were finding out what I was doing or at least, you know, they could see some of our ads. Yeah, or they could see our ads that we're running and, and and they're like, oh, well, you know, I need a little bit of help with my marketing too. And so I started consulting and working with a couple doctor clients who wanted more uh, cash-paying patients. 
instead of Adrian Vostov. And then, so that was cool, but there wasn't necessarily any leverage there uh, because I was trading my time for money. So, um, you know, learning from people like Dan Kennedy, who's a master at selling information and content, uh, and a couple other people, it was like, oh, okay, well, I, I should I should go out and create my own material on this that can help other doctors and not just work one-on-one with them. So learning that leverage was, was really key. Uh, another big milestone at that moment was putting – putting a stake in the ground in some way. So I, I had, uh, so for that very first sort of venture business, it was, so, so the course for, for cosmetic surgeons, for dermatologists, I, I put an ad in dermatologic surgery and, uh, which I'm sure is like a uh, coffee table reading for you right there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Was reading it yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Such good stuff. You just can't wait to dig into another, another issue with dermatologic surgery. But so I put an ad in there, got 10 people to raise their hands and 10 doctors and um and all I had was a sales letter explaining what this amazing course was but the course wasn't done and so uh sent it out nobody ordered two weeks later sent out a follow-up or a week later I can't remember and then a week after that sent out the third and final notice and and I got my first order off the fax machine and it was so just inspiring I was like you know so excited there's three weeks I was probably like running to the fax machine every single time it rang (laughs) Opening was me in order. It's like, God damn it. It's another, I don't know, something yeah. was, uh, but it was finally in order. I was so excited. It's 900 bucks. And it's like the first time. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this feeling of like, you've created something and someone gives you money for it. Mm-hmm. It's do. a pretty cool feeling. I do. I remember when it was, and you know, I've been self-employed on and off almost my entire life, shoveling driveways, all that stuff. But for some yeah. reason, when I had my martial arts school, that was like the first time I felt like I had a location, I had like a shingle, you know, and I remember the first person that signed up, it was like, re- like, really? You're going to be, yeah, right. you know what you're doing, right? Are you, sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sure about this? You know what you're doing? Yeah. Cause you don't have that confidence yourself. So that's awesome. Yep. So, okay. So, so you leverage right, yourself so. through courses and info products. That was the first, so, so that was, yeah, that was the first one. And then, you know, so the, the, one of the lessons there was kind of figuring it out on the fly. Mm-hmm. Sent out a, a note to the doctor saying, hey, it's being republished. And it'll be ready in 30 days. We won't charge your card. And, and literally clocked out at 5 p.m. every single day and got to work till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and, mm-hmm. and just busted my ass to get that thing out there. And then it's like every single piece sort of starts opening up another piece, really. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and so that opened up this idea of, oh, I could sell information. And, and this was like around 99 and I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, the internet is really interesting. Like before that, I only really saw like people kind of selling how to get rich quick online or, or just making money selling porn. And I didn't w- want to be in either <laughs> one of those. Yeah. 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 But, but, <laughs> yeah. but late 99, it was like, oh, okay. There's some business applications that are really starting to come around. And I was looking at the people that were doing well, or at least I could see some of the models and I'm like, oh, you know, they're selling content or at least some of them were. And, uh, and, and I understood some of the pieces like, you know, they're, they're using good copywriting and I, I've been studying that now, but for, I don't know, like a long time, six years, seven years by that point. And, and so I literally asked myself this question, like, you know, if, uh, how could you create a fully automatic website that, that is an incredible value for people and makes me money while I sleep. And I woke up at three o'clock in the morning with this idea for instant sales letters, like you mentioned at the beginning, that was the that first little little foray and, and no technical background, still don't. Uh, I had no idea how to put this up online, but, but jumped out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and got going on this thing. And um, and same deal, like you know, it was amazing to have that first email come in. At, it was about a month and a half later that said I made twenty nine dollars and ninety five cents, and that was you know that was, that was 
that was a game changer right there. Yeah, I fully, I fully, fully believe that. Total, a little bit of a side tangent, but do you agree with Gary Halbert that every problem can be solved with a sales letter? <laughs> uh, I know I'm point blanking. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think every problem, but but a, a, a decent amount of them. And it <laughs> all depends on you know the tangent type way that you could solve them, right? If you need if you need cash to pay for your, I don't know, your, your bypass operation, then you can write a good sales letter for that or something else. And, and someone will give you money. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I mean, well, so actually I do have a pretty good example. That's so the one is I wanted to go up into space. And, uh, so when, when Virgin Galactic announced their, their, their program, uh, the tickets were $200,000 and I told my wife about it. She's like, well, you're not taking money out of our savings for that. <laughs> I remember you talking about it. Keep going. I remember yeah. you jogging yeah. my memory. Yeah. Keep going. Like, ah, okay. Well, I won't do that. So I, I literally said, okay, well, what can I do? And, and, you know, I have this core value that I, I, I get rich by enriching others 10 X to hundred X, um, value that, that I provide for them, which I think is a natural law, uh, in, in the marketplace. And, and so I'm like, okay, well, what can I do that, you know, would be worth at least 200, uh, you know, to them. And so we, I created a, a workshop all about selling high, high priced, uh, content and courses and information and, and groups. And so I had pretty much have done everything in that information field. Uh, and, and so I, I put on a very small workshop all, all about that. And, and then the recordings of that paid for my, uh, my space flight. Got it. So wait, you did the space flight? No, it's it's uh it's still happening. Uh, it. It's been probably like seven years since I I put in my 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 money for the flight, and it's it's still I would say it's probably about three more years away. Got we'll it. see. That's yeah. cool though. It's coming. It's coming. So it, it's coming. Yeah, I mean they had a pretty big setback with the the crash that they had, and it's really really sad day for for private uh, space travel and and mm-hmm. space tourism, but uh, I mean they're they're persevering over there, and they have another ship that's probably about. 75% built right now. That's awesome. Yeah, no, we'll figure it out. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I give, when I, when I see uh, Richard Branson, I give him a hard time about what <laughs> <laughs> But, okay, so we talked about kind of the challenges and the milestones, the things that you've kind of learned and overcome as you progress. So first was just figuring out how to leverage yourself and then kind of putting the pieces together, learning copywriting, learning how to, how to sell, I guess, and leverage yourself. So first was leveraging the, like, what you could do to get money, you know, like instead of working one-on-one, working one-to-many with the sales letter. Then you learned, like, copywriting to help sell one-to-many. What were kind of the, some of the next kind of in the evolution of, like, the challenges you've overcome that have kind of led you to the philosophy that you have today? Yeah, so some of it, um, so so after that, like it's, I really think that, you, like I said, like your path keeps opening up, right? And and so when I did instant sales letters, my original goal was I was going to sell it for $500,000 to like stamps.com. And the, the process of working through that uh, led to this next sort of career, which is helping people take their content or expertise and passion and sell it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, because within three months, we were on track to do six figures. And so that led to this whole other sort of, you know, I guess, I guess career. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was, you know, just, just putting out, like just following my heart there with, you know, what, what got me excited, that would be the next product or what was I, I was, I was into. And then there came this moment, I, I almost call this like a cosmic alarm clock that goes off. And I think it goes off in, in everybody and in different times. And for me, it was, um, when my second child was born, my daughter Zoe, and, and I don't know if that was the, the implication or not, or the, the impetus for it, but it was, I just had this kind of nagging voice in my head and this question that was like, you know, are, are, am I really happy? And, 
And it was from the outside in, you know, I was making really good money. I was mm-hmm. had a great reputation in the online space, which isn't that easy sometimes. Uh, <laughs> family, you know, just had had this pretty amazing life. But when I got really honest with myself, I wasn't totally happy. And so that was that was uh, you know, you could just kind of ignore that and keep doing the same stuff you're doing. But I asked myself, you know, if I'm going to be doing this, if I did this ten years from now, would I be happy? Right. And then then the answer was like no. And, and I had, you know, it was tough because I was making a lot of impact, a lot of, I was helping a lot of people, uh, but it wasn't, I, I thought I could do something more. I thought I could work with, with a bigger group of entrepreneurs who, to me, entrepreneurs are, are the people that are the, 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 the impact makers, the change makers, the visionaries who are going to make a difference in the world. And that's where I get really excited. And so I thought, okay, well, what do I get excited about? And I spent a lot of time in my journal and I absolutely recommend journaling and you know maybe if we have time we can talk about that a bit and how to do it uh but but through our journal i I came up with these three sort of pillars these interconnected circles uh, as for you know as a as a way of uh just making it short uh shorthand would be a dollar sign happy face and a heart and where those all interconnect we call them maverick entrepreneurs and this like intermeshing like the you know the more happiness you have the more joy in your life the, the usually the more revenue you're you're bringing in the more you're making a difference the more revenue you're bringing in they're all surprisingly interconnected mm. and and so that was the first like that philosophy is still remains to this day and and so I thought okay well what I'm going to do is uh I'm going to put on this Maverick Business Adventures group trip and same thing that I learned way back like you know put a stake in the ground and I'll figure it out uh, like I did at the doctor's course. So we said, you know, January 2008, we're going to do this Baja dune buggy racing trip and we're going to run some business sessions and we're going to, you know, maybe do uh, a little bit of teaching of young kids about business and entrepreneurship. And we're going to have obviously a bunch of fun and I have no idea how we're going to make it happen, but <laughs> we're going to do, do it. Yeah. So I sold the tickets. We had 26 people come. Uh, we brought a celebrity there, Jesse James. Uh, and it was, it was really amazing. It was really cool. At the end of the day, uh, it, it cost me forty thousand dollars to put that on, and or thirty thousand—I can't remember thirty or forty—and and so um, you know, I'm like, okay, fine. It's uh, you know, it's, it's it's an investment. It's a new company, and and so the, the the previous company, you know, I bootstrapped everything. It was like it cost me uh, a couple hundred dollars to get it going out of a one bedroom apartment. Sounds like an infomercial. This was open checkbook time. And, uh, and so pretty quickly, uh, about $400,000 in my wife is like, well, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, that's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. Um, and so it's a slightly dangerous thing. It's like, it's, it's one of the most amazing things. And it's also a double-edged sword is to have this amazing passion for what you have going on. It's also sometimes really dangerous because you might not be looking at a pragmatic business model or, and you know, you're not. So one of my, I have that book, 34 rules from Maverick entrepreneurs you mentioned. And one of the rules, I think number 17 is like bootstrap because, um, you know, money can only solve a lack of creativity or something like that. And, and you know, you're, you're going to keep pushing money at a problem if you got an open checkbook kind of thing or, Or if I had said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put $50,000 in and and figure it out. So, you know, it got to the point where I, I literally, you know, I I woke up one day, we had about $70,000 due plus payroll. And and I'm like, shit, this is, you know, I've been doing other stuff. Like, you know, my passion had totally waned for the publishing side of things. And that was going down because I wasn't paying attention to it. 
and that had been propping up the other the other company, and it was like, you know, you're playing. I got my passion over here that I, I really know there's something, but I couldn't figure it out. And then you got the the piece that's that's your that's bringing in the money, and that you've lost a lot of the passion for. Right. So it was, a, it was a tough spot to be in. And I knew I could easily just go back to doing what I was doing, but but there'd be like a part of me that would be dying. Right. And and so. I took, uh, you know, I'm like, well, okay, well, I can either, I can either sell my my Aston Martin, or I can sell my my space ticket to pay for payroll at that point and get some extra cash and get through this cash crunch. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, uh, uh, Aston's a thing, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, I'll have plenty of other great hot cars if I really want them mm-hmm. later on. And so I sold the car, and that was like, I think the universe continues sort of bonking you on the head harder and harder until you get the the message. And, and so that was, that, that was finally the, the message that I needed to go, okay, look at this thing. And then we changed the business model and, and totally revamped it. And, and for me, it was having a big enough reason why. And, and so if I was just building an adventure travel company, that was, that was not a big enough reason why. Okay. And so it really forced me to go back to the drawing board and think about what, you know, what did I really want to do? And what, what did I think I could make a, a how did I, how can I make a difference? And I went back and, and this Maverick Ecoverse or this evolved Ecoverse started coming forward of these three interconnected hubs of these like peer-to-peer groups that are on the transformation hub. And then a third, uh, a second hub is the education piece where we connect, we, you know, extract the best information from these entrepreneurs into education. And then the third hub is an ideation hub of bringing together new ideas from these, these successful entrepreneurs and bringing in young entrepreneurs to, to, to create these, these ideas that can actually solve global issues in some way. And, you know, when I started thinking through that, then I got really excited. Then it was like, yeah, this is worth my, my life's energy. And during that time period, this one book called, uh, Darren Greatly by Brenier Brown. Uh, there's a great question in there and I'm, I'm a big question fan. You know, I think your questions dictate your answers and, and the question that, that she posed in there, uh, or, or a paraphrase of it anyway, is what would you do even if you knew it would fail? Ooh, that's a good one. It's a really good one. And it's like, you know, people have done the, the question or maybe a more popular one is what would you do even if you knew you couldn't fail and, or if you had six months to live, but even if you knew you couldn't fail. But, you know, if you, even if you would fail, like that gets down to the essence of what would you do regardless and then not being attached to the results and what's going to happen. And, you know, there's another really amazing book during this period called uh, the great work of your life, which I highly recommend. And it's by a yogi instructor essentially. And it's like a, uh, a breakdown of the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of our oldest uh-huh. texts that, that we have. And, and one of the key concepts in there is that you're only entitled to, uh, to your labor and not the fruit of your labor. And it's a big one. That is and, a big one. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one that, that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with where it's like, if, if you put your full heart and soul into something, that's the reward. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, and then you're not, you know, your, your, your reward and you're not attached anymore to the accolades or the sales numbers or whatever else happens. If you've put your full heart and soul into something. And that, that was a really big one because I, it, I had to look at myself and ask, did I really put my full heart and soul into what I was doing before that? And the answer was no. Mm. 
Yeah, because I think that's a really key point, and I'm glad you brought it up because I've met people that are rich that are happy, and I've met people that are rich that are miserable, and I think that that's a really key thing. And you know, what is it? There's a quote on mastery I love that's, "Do it until it becomes dull, and then do it until it's beautiful again." You know, and that just talks kind of to speaks to that. I mean, I lived in Japan for three years, and one of the things, you know, it's a, the uh, Tom Cruise mentioned in the movie The Last Samurai, but it really is part of the culture. I remember I was working at Shinsei Bank. I was a consultant there, and I remember I was coming into the headquarters, and there was like uh, you know, just a normal day at work, but there was all these people there, and I remember asking someone like, "Hey, what's going on?" They said, "Oh, there's a big conference going on." I'm like, "Oh, what's the conference?" And they said, "Oh, it was all the janitorial staff from all the satellite locations." And I was like, I was ignorant. I was like, "They're having a conference for the janitors." And in my head, I was like, what, like, what are they going to do? Teach like new toilet bowl cleaning techniques? Like I had no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, who's the speaker? And they're like, oh, Mr. So-and-so, so-and-so. He's been a janitor for 65 years. And that's when like it hit me. I was like, like, wow, if you've done some like for 65 years, you must have some sort of perspective on it. You know, and that's where like it just hit me. I was like, wow. Like, like, and I remember walking around and even uh, Shinjuku Station. I used to pass through Shinjuku Station all the time. And I remember I would see people cleaning it like with toothbrushes, obviously not theirs from home. But like they were cleaning in between the, you know, the bricks and stuff like that. And I lived there for three years and I really got to learn that, you know, they really are a, p- a, a culture about the details and about like living and breathing what you do. So I just love what you mentioned there about how you're only entitled to your labor, not the fruit of it. Because I really learned that and felt that from there and I think that that's such an important thing because I'm sure that you believe this too because if you were going to be the type to just like oh I'm going to retire and put my feet up on the beach and live in a life of luxury for the rest of my years till I you know till I die type thing like you you could have you probably would have but there's no sense of purpose or drive or meaning you know like there's a there's a really deep void that 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 uh that will eat at you and so I think that like the questions that you're asking you know, depending on who's listening to this call and whatever level they're at, they're like really important questions because if if you knew all the stuff you're going to have to go through to get to where you want to go, you probably wouldn't get started, right? Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be a, it'd be a tough one to, to to tell someone from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, this is what you're going to get through. But you know what? From an elevated point of view, from a uh, a you know from a way of looking back, like I said, that was the best thing that that happened. And you know, it wasn't so bad. It's not like we were living out of a cardboard box or anything like that. We were not. You know, we still had uh, plenty of money in the bank, but it was it was like when you get your so entrepreneurs. A lot of times, we have our identities so wrapped up in our companies, and and it, it's this is about separating out, uh, you know, your your worth, your your self worth personally versus your company. Like if things are going great with your company, yeah, you're on top of the world. If things aren't going great, then if your identity is totally wrapped up in your business, so again, back to that attachment. Mm. Uh, of the results, then you're you're going to go down with that. And so part of this process has been separating out who's me versus you know versus the companies and what 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 they do. And uh, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs suffer through that or, or, or attaching themselves to their 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 self worth with their net worth, and that's that's a big one. And so during this period, it was like I I worked on like what what would what it look like to fall back in love with your business. And, and so I love what you brought up with the, the Japanese culture and, and the mastery of, of things. And, and I think um, having a big enough why or, or knowing that there's a bigger reason of what you're doing, that's where you keep having a reason to fall back in love with, with what's going on. And that's what I had to learn all these pieces uh, of this evolved enterprise, which is you know the, the new book coming out about how all these things flow together. And it created this really interesting uh kind of elegant 
diagram where it starts with, with you at the center. And so there's three interconnected circles that dollar sign, happy face and heart are at the core of everything. I look at that almost like as, as my nucleus, uh, as the DNA of, of what, what we do as an entrepreneur. And then the next, the circle around that is you. So evolving you, like what's, what's your business that you develop and that comes from your true heart and your true essence and what you were almost like designed to do and figuring it out. And, you know, it's going to evolve as you evolve as well, but, but being aware enough of that and trying to put something out there that is, you know, almost like an artist and looking at your business as a canvas and figuring out how do you put this, the most elegant evolved enterprise impact models to work and how do you, uh, how do you, just create this, this artistry that, that can be done as uh, through your business, like in who it serves. And then the next circle around that or the next ring rather is your cause, like your why, like, why are you doing things? Uh, so for us, it's uh, changing the way business is played. And I look at that as kind of like your North star, like what's the, you're not, you're not going to get to it. It's your North star. It's your guiding mm-hmm. light, but it's, you know, that's, that's ours. It's changing the way business is played. And then the next ring out is divided up into, into three rings and it's uh, your community. So it creates uh, customers who want to, who love what you're doing and want to share it and who are huge super fans and, and an internal culture. So culture is the next one uh, of a team that's aligned around the greater, bigger mission uh, and who, you know, are, are totally engaged. And then, um, and then the creation, which is your product or service, like how does that create an impact that's baked in? And so that's that evolved enterprise model that that I really figured out all these different pieces. And along this way, you know, as Maverick kind of continued and I, I changed the name when I when I went back to figuring out what this, this ecoverse was, we changed it to Maverick 1000 because I thought this idea of a thousand game-changing entrepreneurs could actually make a difference in, in the globe. And we were able to do some really interesting things, meet some really amazing people. Like you know, I mentioned Sir Richard Branson before um, but, and uh, Rich Tierling from the CEO, former CEO of Harley Davidson and Tony Shea from Zappos or Chip Conley from Joie de Vivre Hotels. And I mean, you know, I could just kind of keep naming names, but the more about less about the names, more about what they taught me and how I looked at what they were doing in their company, what they were doing differently, how they were, you know, thinking about things and, and truly, you know, people have been talking about this idea of, I don't know, conscious capitalism or triple bottom line or, or you know, there's a lot of uh, for-benefit companies. Yep. What's that? Yeah, social entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and for me, my, my term is evolved enterprise. And it's like everyone's kind of talking about it in roughly the same way. And I see this as this coming shift, the biggest business shift going on that, that really could change everything. And it's like a way of aligning your the, the heart or the soul of your business and, and yourself to, to kind of put out the biggest most meaningful work of your life and, and to do something in a way that also is incredibly good for the world and drives your bottom line. And that's where it gets super exciting. That is, that is exciting. And that's awesome. I, that's even part of why I started this podcast was to help create 200 new uh, multimillionaires. So I, I fully get it because entrepreneurs are the change makers. And so what is the book, the, the, the sorry, the book, uh, um, Evolved Enterprise, who's like the best person for that for? Like if I get that, what is it going to help me do? Is it going to – am I going to get like worksheets and stuff out of that? Is it going to give me kind of a north guiding light? Is it going to help me identify a contrast between an evolved enterprise versus maybe the business that I've built for myself and maybe the cage I've created? You know, like how how should people use the book? Yeah, so so the book uh, is – is is a framework that so that framework that I just outlined about you know starting with you in the beginning and then um, cascading or uh, or concentric circles going out to these rings outward 
So it has that framework in every single section. We talk about not only great examples, but then, but then figuring out what that looks like. And you don't have to add every single one of those pieces, but it's being aware of them and, and looking at examples. And then as you keep stacking them on one another, it gets more powerful. And so what I like to say about this is that it, it helps you go from tran- a transactional company, which is you're essentially a commodity and, and people care about price and that's about it. Uh, or if you're if you're in their area at that time, or whatever the case is, right, to more right. of a transformational company where where the identities of your customers change, the identities of people that you work with change, the identities of everyone that the business surrounds itself with change, to even transcending what what business can be, uh, and, and where it becomes a win 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 across everything, and it's really exciting. And you know, Daryl, some people might be saying, "Well, you're kind of just talking about giving back, right?" And I'm definitely not talking about giving back. No, I'm talking uh, I actually, about creating a legacy, I think. Forgive me for putting words in your mouth, but that's what it sounds like. It, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's if you think about it that way, I mean, I think about um, – I call this a legendary legacy, in fact. Yeah. Um, it, when, you, when you start thinking in that way, it, it does become the, a, a true legacy. And then giving back is interesting. It's like that's become a little bit more in vogue and, and so – as you know, I started as a copywriter, so words are incredibly important. And to me, giving back implies guilt. Like entrepreneurs have taken something, and entrepreneurs are all you know. Regardless of where your business is right now, uh, if you're in business, you're a value creator, uh, or, or you're not going to be in business very long. Yeah. So you're already providing value. Yeah. Um, and so you know, giving back. I'm not a fan of, of giving back. I'm a you know, I, I think we need new, new vocabulary for, for evolved enterprises. And, you know, I, I talk about impact a lot. And so these evolved enterprises, one of the things that they actually have that they're able to show are these impact scoreboards. Really? And it gets really exciting where, so I had, you know, probably a good example of an evolved enterprise or one of the probably best known or people would, would identify with is Tom's Shoes. And, and Tom's, you know, they, they actually are a $300 million enterprise, which not many people know that. Wow. Uh, they're pretty darn big, and and so Blake Mykoski founded Tom's. I had the you know good fortune to interview him uh, last year, and when we talked, the main thing that he would talk about is a scoreboard, which was they had at that point given away thirty five million pairs of shoes, and so as a byproduct of that, they've sold thirty five million pairs of shoes profitably, and it's kind of kind of mind blowing. Uh, so they you know they really they didn't I don't think they created but they really. Uh, got a lot of credit for this buy one give one model, the one for one model, mm. and and so that's one of the models. And I have eleven different models that that I talk about inside the Evolved Enterprise book. But that's that's one good one. And so what gets really exciting about that is you know it, it's like I think about it as like merging your head, which is your business side of things, your marketing side of your brain, along with your heart, the, the giving part. And then you know for me for sure, and I I, I encourage other people is like merge also your your inner child and a bit of that playfulness. <laughs> As well, and it all just is is like accelerates everything. So he was able to get partnerships with like Nordstroms and and huge um, window displays in on in, in New York and like I forgot which it might have been Bloomingdale's or some company. They were able to get big partnerships that they wouldn't have gotten if they didn't have this. Yeah, yeah, this altruistic and sincere, and because it's a sincere thing, it's a sincere desire to help others and create value. That's like a very Buddhist thing, you know. They say most people, when they do something for others, they expect something in return. But you should really be, you know, like the grapevine that just produces fruit, you know, year in year out, and never ask for anything back. So, 
I really love it. And buzz like light bells went off in my head when you mentioned that you've got more models like that in the book. I was like, once you said, how many did you say you got? Because I was like, what? Like I was like, what are the other ones? Can you give me one more? Like, come on. Yeah, I'll give you a couple more. I mean, because I got eleven of them, and they're they're exciting. Um, So one is uh, Source Matters. It's model number six. It's like looking at the source of and apparel companies have done some of them have done a good job of this, Ah. looking at each part of the chain and what, what things happen. And then one company that I've looked at that's really interesting is this company called Elvis and Cress. Uh, and they started off as their two designers, and they were walking down the street in London and saw all this fire hose sitting outside of a, probably a fire department, like you know the big red fire hose. And they're like, wow, that's just going to go into a landfill, and it's uh, actually beautiful material. I wonder what we could do with it. And so they started designing like, you know, like dop kits, like whatever they are, shower kits, um, your, your toilet kits, they started creating um, uh, belts with it. They started creating keychains with it and wallets. Um, it's a really beautiful material. And it actually creates like that you, recycling or upcycling or using these reclaimed materials creates a more beautiful end product. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like all baked into it. it was that, that's where it gets really exciting is that the creation part of it is baked in. And so they also will uh, they'll give fifty percent of their profits, I believe, to different charities that are associated with with uh, fire department charities. That's so nice. it's like all interconnected. I love that. Yeah, uh, you're triggering. I wish I remembered. I remember when I was in Japan. I had this. I had, was really into sustainable energy. There's a guy in Germany that was working United Nations, and he designed like a, a beer plant and it was like it had a water turbine to generate power and they diverted like a river to power it and then they had a pond and then they had created a fishery out of that and it was like they had like the hops they would take the used hops and spread them out over a field oh, cool. like it was it was like it was completely 100 percent renewable but that's what you're talking about. and the source source i love that so source matters this so you're talking about finding the source material and finding like a way to renew something that's already a waste product to create something more beautiful is that correct that's that's part of it, or just exploring what that source, you know, keep going back to the source and, and figuring out what what could be done in a better way. I mean, Patagonia is a really good example of this. Like, they have complete transparency about where their materials come from and how it's done. Uh, this company called Icebreaker, which is a merino wool company. I love them. I'm actually wearing, wearing a bunch of their stuff all the time, <laughs> and I wear their underwear. And, uh, like, they even have a, a code on there where you can go back and track the sheep and see what? what's, what's going on with the sheep. So you can, take this, you can take this really far. And it's, it, but what, what's really even more exciting about this, to my marketing mind anyway, is that it's, it, it drives business. Yeah. So I've had, uh, I've had people I've seen split tests done where uh, there, there's a, a split test. And so this is a little bit tactical. And I hope, you know, so it's like anything, right? Like when I used to teach psychology and influence, it's like it could be done for good or evil. And it's got to be done with a, a genuine heart, like you said, an authenticness uh, to it or authenticity to it, sorry, that, that is, that's where it has to come from. And if it's not, we, you know, we, we know we're a totally interconnected society and, and, and stuff is going to get out there. So, so that's my, my sort of caveat to you, uh, to, to the listeners. But the, like, I've seen A-B split tests where one page had a certificate that says we give $50 to these different uh, causes and then another one that didn't have that on there. And it was for a $2,000 training program, and they increased their conversion 10%. Yeah, so yeah. it's pretty interesting. And then I've seen um, uh, shopping cart order forms, or one of my friends showed me they have a pretty big operation selling supplements, uh, and, and they added a, a piece for Make-A-Wish Foundation that they're a big supporter of. 
And it was like optionally, you know, donate this amount. It was like a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten, and the customer could choose that. And that's all it was added, and it actually increased their shopping cart conversion fifteen percent. So it's pretty crazy. And like that's you know that's why I talked about like the community. And the more you integrate this even more beyond the transactional level, it it becomes something that your customers want to spread and and share and and really just uh, go out of their way to. To uh, you know, to make sure that 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 your 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 brand is is really succeeding because there's a bigger mission behind it. Well, it sounds like you're, you're finding a way to. It sounds like you're finding a way to give to to get your customers involved in making the world a better place. To give them the opportunity, they're going through their day to day lives, right? They're doing whatever they're buying your thing because they need it, but they could buy it from you or someone else. But hey, not only can I buy get what I'm looking for, I can also help change a life in a third world country, or I can also help feed someone or close someone. Or so I think that is. I think that's a powerful need. I think everyone listening to this call wants to contribute to the world and have their life me have meaning. And I think all of us, you know, some people might not necessarily understand the. Like, it's almost like the universe. Like, the universe is big. I say that people are like, yeah, but it doesn't really dawn on them. Like, how, like, you know what I mean? Like, the reality of it doesn't, like, hit them in the face. And so, same thing, like, when we say the word, like, leaving a legacy, like, how much that means to, like, to a single human life. Because, you know, the vast majority of humans are dead. Like, 99.9% of every human that's existed now is dead. And the only ones that are carried on is by their legacy. You know, like the Rockefellers, all these people that have done something significant that carries forward through future generations and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And you're right, that's not going to have... The, the structure and framework it needs if it's self-serving, if it's really, you know, if it's just small-minded, if it's not like what you're talking about, about being an involved enterprise where there's some social good to it that, you know, doing business with you, your company, there's a reason, there's like a morale behind it. It's going to help, you know, like a deeper purpose. It's going to help it live on through the years. So um, I think that's an amazing tip. And anyone that's got a business that's already up and running or, again, they're around the six-figure mark or even doing seven figures or more, you know, like, great. You've proven that, you you know, you've got a product or service people need and want. Now's the time to really kind of build a moat around what you've done and try to create a legacy out of it. And I think I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there really is a movement towards those social entrepreneurs or the shift or whatever you want to call it. But it's like – you know, there's more people getting an internet. There's more people getting online, like ever since the internet now and how it's spreading across the globe. It's like a central nervous system for humanity. We've never had that before. So in some ways, like you mentioned, it's empowering people to create massive changes and massive differences in the world. And if you're not doing it and your competitors are, they're going to leave you behind in the dust, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you got a four to seven year window where this becomes almost like standard. You don't have a competitive, like you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage if you don't have an authentic impact. And it's not just, oh, we're going to, I don't know, figure out a way to donate $5 from every order to make a wish or whatever, you know, the case is it doesn't, not necessarily even at a tactical level. I mean, it could be at a cultural level of what, what you do with your team and how, how things show up. I mean, it's, it, there's so many places and that's what, you know, the book kind of explores all these and, and you can kind of pick and choose which ones make sense. Uh, the, the central nervous system, uh, analogy is really interesting, Daryl. Like I totally believe, like we're we're at this point where what the mystics of uh, of the ancient times were saying is almost like being proven. Not even almost; it is being proven by by modern technology and and the internet. Yeah, is that central nervous system of of a pragmatic way of saying we're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the mystics are saying that you know forever that that everything is connected and there's you know all these other interesting implications of, of that as well. But I believe that what serves the collective whole also serves you 
as well. So it's like the most self, I don't know, the most selfish thing that you can do is actually being selfless in that way. Yep. Yep. You're totally right. Because again, people think they live external to their environment and not to take us on too much of a tangent, but you know, the fish, it lives in the water, but the fish is also part of the water. The the fish can't exist without the water. Like, you know, like the, the outside world is as much you as the inside world, you know, because your eye, you give your eyes create sunlight. The sunlight is just a vibration. It's just a wave. It's your eyes that turn it into light. It's your ears that create sound. It's your soft skin and the nerves in your finger that make, you know, make grass soft and a, and a rock hard. It just is. And it's you that's shaping it and forming the world outside you. And often even your perspective. I mean, when you come to something, anyone who plays any sports, whether it's golf or bowling, which are big in my family, I'm not so big on it, but even in martial arts and that, the mentality that you bring to something, and it's even, even what you're talking about here with the involved enterprise, the intent behind when you come to something can determine like how well you succeed at it, right? If you come to a relationship with like a, like a scarcity and a take, take, take mentality like even a friendship if someone's just like trying to take 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 from you all the time you know like it's going to obviously run its course um you know evil will there was they're saying confucius is saying that evil will eventually consume itself you know and that's basically kind of the same sort of con again not to get into some big you know hokey woo woo talk but i fully believe in it that exactly what you say that you know we are all connected and the only way to ensure it's like it's like kids you can if you have kids and you want to ensure your kids have a good education and a good environment the best thing you can do is try to take care of the environment and take care of the economy and take care of the community because that's where your kids are going to live you know you can't you can't piss in your own watering hole and then assume that everything's going to be okay right like uh, whatever i get my water from here every day but i'm just going to piss and you know into it and It'll all work out. Like, no, you can't do that. And I think that's kind of where we're at. Like, the world's becoming so transparent, so flat, that, uh, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm so because <laughs> I want to know the other models. Yeah, no, it, well, I mean, that's even just a small, that's one chapter. <laughs> that's chapter three. Uh, so it's, it's uh, this has truly been, like, the, you know, as I said earlier, like, not putting my full heart and soul into something. This has been something that I've absolutely put my heart and soul into this book, and we're giving away... 10,000 copies of them at my cost, uh, at essentially, you know, I, I'm transparent about how much it costs for printing, what it costs for shipping and postage and, and uh, fulfillment. And, and then we're also giving away, uh, including a dollar donation to Virtue Unite, which is a charity that yep. I support quite a bit. And, and so, you know, people can, can grab that at evolved enterprise if they want.com. Okay. And if they want to be one of the, the 10,000 that picked that up, um, I was going to give you another example that I think, uh, defines transcending business, which is to me, you know, where it gets really interesting. And so this is, uh, this is actually uh, model number eight. It's called empowered employment. And so there's a company called ultra testing out there that they do, uh, like user interface testing or, or GUI testing or like, you know, cross browser testing to make sure that it's, that everything's compatible and, and so what they've done is they've hired uh, people on the autism spectrum scale to be their, their employees uh, to do this testing because people on the, on the autism uh, spectrum scale there, they, they actually have a better tolerance for just doing stuff over and over for attention to detail, pattern recognition, focus, you know, typically not, you know, you know, obviously everyone's different, but, but typically they do. And so they're essentially using this as a competitive advantage, mm-hmm. which is really, really, really interesting to me. 
And it's like a win across the board. And that's where I get super excited. It's like all those things become wins. Mm. And it's, and it's, uh, it's not like, you know, it's not a guilt driven thing. It's not a like business to me. That's why I think it has the biggest reason to be uh, a disruptor in the world and to be a change agent is because it's value based. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an exchange voluntary, not, Mm -hmm. not, you know, not, not driven by, by something else. It's not, no one's forcing you to buy from a company. And and so that's where it gets so exciting. Yeah, I think, no, you're right. Uh, Buckminster Fuller used to call it the percussion effect. He he would cite why the birds and the bees are, sorry, not the birds, but bees and flowers have coexisted for, you know, centuries because the fact that they're both self-serving, but the causes overlap. And so they both get what they need. And so there's no, like, I'm doing you a favor. You're doing me like that doesn't exist. They just, you know, it just works out really well. And it's, you know, it's pollution. Pollution is just chemicals in the wrong place. So it's just finding that homeostasis or that, that synchronicity. I love what you said. I just had an intern join my team. She's deaf. And I thought I was going to use that as a superpower and have her go through all my text content and products because if her main communication mode is text, then this is a way that she's got a superpower, make sure that everything is very clear, very concise, and very complete, that we the text alone explains everything you need, whether you've got the video or not, or all that stuff. So I love that analogy, but the autistic That's people, cool. putting them into a place where they'll be, like they essentially have a superpower, because you're yeah. taking a disability in one area and putting them in a place where that gives them running room to actually excel at it. So I love that. I lo- yeah, 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 it's cool. So there's actually a model I talk about in the book too, under... Uh, it might be under empowered employment as well as uh, it's a company called Miracle Couriers in India that uses uh, deaf people to deliver uh, you know, it's, it's courier packages okay. because they're really better at visual and, and map reading and so forth. And then with every package they deliver, they, they have a little slip that talks about the deaf population there because in India, a lot of, a lot of stereotypes, a lot of right. uh, segregation because of, you know, yeah. uh, of, of this disability. So it's, it's, you know, uh, again, a win-win and it's, it's really powerful. That's awesome. So obviously this book, Evolved Enterprise, is, it sounds like a must read. I know I'm like just – you've teased me enough with the models that I'm, I'm very much intrigued. And I, like you said, I really think that – it's my personal opinion that you're right in that – I mean you say the timeline four to seven years. I haven't thought about how soon, but I do know the world is going in that direction where your business has to solve a real problem. I mean the, the, what happened to newspapers with the internet that just proved that just you know thinking that your business model is stuffing ads and you know wad of content and delivering to people, that's – it's not solving the core problem. Gary Bensavenga says that problems are markets, not demographics. And so I think that's where you're saying is like getting to a core problem and finding a way to use it to help make the world a better place. So if someone's on board, they're like, Yannick, I'm with you. You know, I've got your book. I'm reading this. Are there any habits that you can give us as a tip? Because you've seen so many business owners and entrepreneurs and eight-figure business owners and seven-figure and six-figure. Can you just share with us um, kind of some, some, some closing comments on the habits that people should consider or think about to make sure that when they get your book and they go through it that they'll be able to implement and take it. It won't just be shelf help, but it'll be something that's actually meaningful to them and that they help bring to reality in their lives. Uh, well, for me, you know, the, the habits that have, that have shown up that have been the, the most useful, I actually have an entire blog post that I did all about this that talks about these nine daily things that they're kind of nine M's. And if you, if you hit a lot of them, six of them, seven, nine of them, even you have a great day. And I use this process when I was looking back at, you know, some of my most sort of depressed time of figuring out what was I really doing. And I use that to get back into a state of, of really joy, bliss and happiness. And so that's part of it, I think. Um, and that's, that's inside the book, but they can also find it at yonicsilver.com slash return path. 
and that that outlines all of those nine. But for me, the cornerstones have really become in a, in a daily practice. Uh, and this is not, may or may not be for everybody, but it's been yoga, uh, it's been meditation, and it's been journaling. Those are the three. Uh, I guess I guess corners means four. So my my three <laughs> tri stones for. <laughs> um, but so you know, and then the nine M's are you know everything from like movement. So for me, I get the movement out of yoga. Um, I also play hockey a couple times a week, and then um, the mindfulness. I mean, you know, it can come in different ways. Like you know, I never thought I could meditate, and then I learned from Russell Simmons, who's a pretty classic ADD guy. <laughs> and I'm like, All right, if Russell can do it, I think I can do it. I'll do it. <laughs> And so I've been at it about about two years. And it's become a daily practice. It's been really amazing, and not like a light switch moment, yeah. but definitely a, a it's a practice, and it's something that I think the more stillness that you create and cultivate in your life, the more you'll hear that voice of what your heart wants you to to know and what you want, what it wants you to do, mm. and and that's where it lines up with with your business and and your skills and your talents and resources, and bring those all to bear, and that's. You know, that's where it gets really exciting to me as, as an involved enterprise. Got it. Got it. Yannick, you've given so much value. Um, this has been a great call. This is the one I'm definitely going to – like I've already been taking notes, but I feel like I want to go back and take some more. Um, so it's definitely a call worth listening to again and again. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, maybe, maybe why I even care about this. Why do you even care about this? I don't know. Why do you, you ask that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I care about is. So we already mentioned, you know, entrepreneurs. You and I both share that 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 shared desire and and, and belief about entrepreneurs. Like I, I care about the ripple effect. I care about being a catalyst uh, of you know someone's going to listen to this and and get a new idea that that can make a difference, make an impact. Someone's going to pick up the book, and I look at those ten thousand books that were given away at cost as seeds. And, and to spread this message and planting these ideas. And it's like, if you feel drawn to it, there's a reason for it. And, and it's like, you know, the, the, the ripple effect is so exciting to me that uh, that's why with our Maverick 1000 network, which are the, the higher level entrepreneurs, like they all have a really big footprint in what they do and leverage and what they do. So to me, if I can have any sort of effect on them, then I know the ripple is going to be even bigger. And that's, that's where I get so excited is is these network networks and these leverage points and nodes and 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 you know sometimes they're tiny little little shifts and sometimes they're big ones. Mm, mm, mm. Very well said, Yannick. I I really value and appreciate the time you've you've been, you've given us today. So where can people go if they're interested in getting the book again? Yeah, go to evolvedenterprise.com. So evolved enterprise. Dot com and they can pick up one of the uh, 10,000 books while we're giving that away. And it's not available anywhere else right now except for the site. Okay. Okay. And then also you talked about, uh, gave a URL. So you had your nine daily M's of yeah, business that's success. That's yeah. on your site? Yeah, that's on my blog at yannicksilver.com slash return path. Okay. And that's Y-A-N-I-K-S-I-L-V-E-R.com slash return path. Perfect. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, Yannick, I thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, this was a real content jam-packed call. Tons of tips, tons of follow-up, model, actionable steps. Um, 
you know, just even from anyone that's just getting started to people that are already up and running. And like I said, they're either, they feel like they've got the success they've had and they've hit the kind of what I think happens to a lot of us. You feel like you achieve the success. Hey, I'm generating millions of dollars, but you've, you still feel unfulfilled. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's really something for everyone here. And I, I, I don't know, I encourage all the listeners, the book you don't own, you can't read and the book you don't read can't help you. So um, strongly encourage you to check out evolvedenterprise.com. Check out that book and uh, definitely go check out Yannick's blog. Uh, you know, he's been a mentor from a distance for me uh, for a number of years, and it's just an honor and pleasure to have him here and be able to introduce everyone on the call to him. So once again, Yannick, thank you so much for your time, and I really value and appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Daryl. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them, and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, you're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.